Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 14, beginning with verse 6. And we will jump to chapter 17 of that same chapter. 1 Samuel 14. Bible says, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearers said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. Turning now to chapter 17, beginning with verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. I preach tonight the first step towards victory. The first step towards victory. Put your Bibles down and lift your hands toward heaven right now. Let's ask the help of the Lord for the remainder of this service. Sweet Jesus, I thank you for every person here tonight. Lord, no one here is by accident, but they're here by the divine order of God. And I believe, Lord, that your word wants to speak to our hearts. I ask, God, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto us. I take dominion over every thought that would try to interfere with the word of the Lord. We want your perfect will done in this place. We thank you for what you're going to do. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord and give God praise? Amen. Lord bless you as you're being seated. The first step towards victory. There's something to be said for someone who will do whatever it takes to make something work. I admire the traits of elders who learn through hardship how to use everything and waste nothing. Those who lived through the Great Depression came out with a deep appreciation for even the simplest of commodities. I never understood. My grandpa, who passed on several years ago, he would save every little nail. I mean, it didn't matter how big it was. It's like he had cans of screws and cans of nails, and I'd always thought, you can just go buy all the screws and nails you want. But the difference is he grew up through hard times. And, and when you go through what they went through years ago and perhaps some people here, 
You appreciate every little thing along life's way. You don't take anything for granted. We stand today on the shoulders of a generation who climbed out of a national despair and tragedy, slowly but surely, and they established communities. They established schools and businesses. They, they were slow and steady. They were methodical. They planned for the future, and they weren't afraid of adversity. Yet now I scratch my head in amazement as I gaze at society today because we are surrounded by a generation that thrives on instant gratification. They'd rather reap instead of sow. They'd rather play instead of plow. They'd rather receive much by doing very little. Because of this, we are now faced with what appears to be a lazy generation. Keep in mind, I'm not labeling everyone. I'm merely reading the pulse of society at large. They're lethargic and unconcerned. They feel as though they're owed something by society or by their parents. They want their marriage to instantly reflect their parents. But they fail to realize that it took their parents 25 years they want it overnight. They think I should have all this stuff that my parents worked for. I should have it within the first year of my marriage. It's a good indicator of what we're battling against as a society. And I come against a mindset that's hindering people in their walk with God. Uh, my friend, hear this preacher tonight. God will not cater to anybody. And God will never owe anybody. If anyone wants to change, they must put forth the initiative to make that change happen in their life. Only you and God can change your life. In my opinion, one of the most endangered words in society today is the word effort. I read a, an article in 1986, a group of researchers published a study of Japanese mothers and mothers in Minneapolis. The mothers were asked to rank the most important things that a child needs to succeed academically. The answers tell a lot about the difference in the two cultures today. The mothers in Minneapolis chose ability. The mothers in Japan said effort because ability is not an indicator that you will succeed but effort is a good indicator that you don't have to be the smartest and you don't have to have the most money and you don't have to be the most li voted most likely to succeed but if you got a determination inside of you then you can make anything happen if you're willing to put forth the effort then change is possible if you will put forth the effort 
I'm surrounded by people that society looked at you at one time in your life and said you'll never be anything. You'll never make anything of your life. But somehow through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, you said I'm going to put forth the effort and I'm going to change my direction. And you're here tonight because you tried. Ability does not indicate effort. Effort does not wait for perfect conditions. Effort doesn't wait for the enemy to stop firing. But effort moves you from a defensive position to an offensive position. What happens is when things start going crazy in our life and when the enemy is firing away at us, what happens is we go into a maintenance defensive mode. But God never saved you to live on the defense. God called you to live on the offense. And I preach tonight to people who know what it's like to want change in your life. You're tired of the struggle. You're tired of the problems. You're tired of the addiction. You're tired of the situation. You're tired of being where you're at. And you feel like you're spinning your wheels. And you're saying, all I want is victory over this. All I want is to wake up and not have to worry about this. You hear this preacher tonight. You may have walked in here one way, but you can walk out of here a different way. It doesn't matter how you walk in. It only matters how you leave. The Bible said the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Are you ready? I got one point. The first step towards victory is taking the first step. If you can put the wheels in motion, there ain't a devil that can stop you. There ain't an addiction that can stop you. Go ahead, Brother Zach. You take the first, Brother Chase, you take a step. All I'm saying is, if you can move, God will move with you. Somebody worship him right now. Take the first step. Take the first step. It's the hardest step. But take the first step. Touch your neighbor and say, take the first step. What we're doing is we're wanting God to come down here and move us. God ain't going to do that. Because when you take a step towards God, you're showing God, I'm putting forth initiative. I'm not, I'm not sitting here with my hand out saying, God, I want you to serve me just like I, I want you to do it on my terms. God's saying, I ain't going to do it. Pardon my grammar, that ain't the, my mother would be disappointed right now. But God said, I'm not going to do that. But when you say, okay, God, yeah, I'm going to take the first step, God say, I'll carry you the rest of the way. All, I, all God's looking for is somebody that's saying, I'm tired of being where I'm at. I'm tired of struggling like I'm struggling. I'm tired of trying to do things my own way. And I'm going to make a move. If you make a move tonight, God will move with you. Amen. Be seated just a moment. We join Joshua, Jonathan in chapter 14 of 1 Samuel. Here Jonathan was. If you read the whole story, I'm trying to move swiftly. But you read the whole story. Saul was just sitting there camping out. And Jonathan said, hold up a minute. Nothing is, nothing's changing. We're just spinning our wheels. He grabbed his armor bearer and they took off toward the enemy. I'm giving you my version, okay? But I pray it's pretty close to what happened here. And they get between two rock formations. The name of the rock formations was Sina and Bozes. It was a big, just basically a big hiding place, like a big cave. And Jonathan said, you know what? 
We're not accomplishing anything in hiding. We're not accomplishing anything just just sitting here. So verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over on the garrison of these uncircumcised. Watch this. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. All Jonathan had to go on was a maybe. It may be that the Lord will work for us. But we won't find out as long as we stay where we're at. You may be here tonight and you're saying, maybe God will heal me. Maybe God will deliver me. Maybe God will help me in my marriage. Maybe God will help me in my family. And you can sit there and say, maybe, maybe. But you'll never know how powerful maybe is as long as you stay where you're at. But the moment you decide to move on a maybe, the God has a way of joining up with you along the way. And when Jonathan and his armor bearer made their way, Bible says that they slew the enemy. Hear me. One step can change your life. One step can turn your situation around. One step can repair your marriage. But you never know as long as you stay hiding. People aren't afraid of change. They're afraid of the unknown. If I told somebody, if I told somebody, you know what? Your marriage could be restored. You could be healed in your body. You could make it to heaven. That sounds great. But the hardest part for people is taking the first step. It's not that they don't want it. It's that they're trying to step out of one realm of life that they know and step into another realm that they have no clue what it's all about. People do want, you'll never convince me people are, are love waking up in the morning and don't know what happened the night before. You won't convince me people love heartache and pain. They don't love it, but it's the only life that they're that they're used to and that they're comfortable with. But if you if you're here tonight and that maybe is going through your mind, maybe I'll go to an altar and God'll fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna encourage you to move on that maybe because you never know what's on the other side of maybe. You never know what God'll do when you make that first move. I'm looking at a lot of people that maybe went to your mind one time. Maybe went to your mind. But Jonathan took the first step. Let's jump to David. Maybe the reason David was so close to Jonathan was because Jonathan and David had the same spirit. They were aggressive. They weren't, they weren't just going to sit back and wait for life to pass them by. And here David was called to go tend to, to, see, to, to see his brothers and to bring them some food. And David shows up, and all of the brothers are there hiding. Here's God's people hiding. It doesn't make sense, but I've also looked at some people who have the Holy Ghost, and it didn't make sense how they hid in their life either. So we can't look at them and say anything because we've done the same thing. Here David shows up. See, David heard Goliath. David heard that, that, that Philistine taunting and mocking the God of Israel. And, 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 and here David, something rose up inside of him. And this is what he said, is there not a cause? Why are we here? Are we here just playing? No, there's a cause. There's somebody that's bringing fear and reproach against the kingdom of God. 
See, David learned what a valley of shadow of death was like. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with. Maybe he penned those words because Goliath's shadow, the sun hit it the right way, and it made that problem seem a whole lot bigger than what it really was. You see, shadows are always bigger than their source. And the enemy wants to get you so focused on the shadow and how big it is. And you're scared of the shadow when the actual problem is only about that big. Don't let the shadow stop you. If he can get you intimidated and get you living in fear. See, years ago, I was about 15 or 16 years old, we went paintballing. That wasn't one of the smartest things I've ever done in my life. If you don't know what it is, you get camoed up and act like you're a war hero, and, and, and they shoot paintballs at each other. I hated it. Number one, I wasn't good at hiding. Number two, I wasn't fast. And number three, my glasses stayed fogged up in that mask, and I couldn't see where I was going. So I had a theory. I'm just going to sit in the woods and try to hide as best as I can, and I'll just shoot people as they pass by. Well, on this particular game, we were playing capture the flag. where You had to go across the woods and get somebody else's flag. On this particular game, everybody on my team got out, which meant that sitting there would no longer work, that I had to move. And so I made my way through those woods, and I got closer to the... I didn't know how many people was on, on their team, and I got close to their flag. I could see their flag. And there was one person guarding their flag. And I thought that he was the only one left. So I was trying to look as skinny as I could behind a tree like this. And I had my gun right here pointed out in front of me. And I said, okay, that guy was just, da, da, da. boy, he was firing away at me. I said, all right, I'm going to wait till he stops firing. And I'm going to pop out there and I'm going to shoot. That guy never stopped firing. And I'm just sitting there, glasses fogged up, sweaty. Can't see where I'm going. I'm just sitting there. I didn't know there was somebody else on the team. And he had made his way all the way around the woods. I was so focused on this guy that he made his way around, and he just went, boop, shot me. I was out. I said, you got to be kidding me. I had never done this good at paintball to go out like that. I mean, you want to go out with guns in each hand, guns ablazing, but to go out like that? So when, I, when, when, when we done, they're walking out, and I looked at that guy. His name was Billy. I said, Billy, all I was waiting on was for you to stop firing. I was ready. I was going to turn around and shoot you, and I was going to win. He looked at me and said, I didn't even have any paintballs. He was just sitting there pulling the trigger of that gun the whole time to keep me pinned down. He was out of ammo. Can I tell you the devil does the same thing, but the devil is out of ammo. He's trying to keep you pinned down. He's trying to keep you intimidated. But my Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to stop playing defense and say I'm going on offense. I'm making the first step. Stand with me all over this place right now. Goliath taunted David. David looked at him and said, Thou comest to me with a sword 
spear and a shield. I'm going to throw this in here real quick and hit this doctrinally. That's Trinity. But he said, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Watch this, verse 48. And David hasted and ran toward the enemy. The first step towards victory is taking the first step. David wasn't going to wait on Goliath to get to him. But he said, I'm going in spite of the problem. David was victorious because he didn't let his problem, which was Goliath, stop him from responding to God. It was not in his ability. It was in his availability. And I preached to people under the sound of my voice. God never asked you to fix your own problem. God never said the first requirement to getting right with me is having no problems in your life. It's not in the Bible. Well, Brandon, come help me out. So the question is, how close am I from victory in my life? The question is, how far is a different destiny for me? Stand right there, brother. Well, Lord, you know how to read tape measure. How far is that? Seven foot, brother Lloyd. Seven foot between a different destiny. Seven foot. Seven foot. Let's go down this way. Brother Maurice, how far are you from a miracle in your life? Fourteen feet. Brother Toller, let's go over here. Let's go over here. What's that say, brother? Right here. Thirty feet. Thirty feet, Brother Toller, and your life can be totally different than what it is. Brother Robert, wind that up for me right there. Pull that. Yeah, do that. 26. 20, and people will stay where they're at. And all it takes is 26 feet to decide where they're gonna, how they're going to leave out of a service. Brother Chase, wind that up for me just for a minute. Brother Chase, how far are you right here? 13. 13 feet. And I can, you mean to tell me I can leave the house of God totally changed, Brother Black, 13 feet away. 13 feet. But watch this. Here you are, Let's see. Nine feet. And you say, well, nine feet, that sounds, thank you, Brother Brandon, that sounds like a lot. Brother Black, take one step with me. We just knocked off about two feet. And my eternal destiny can change with one step. I preach to people tonight that maybe there's 50 feet to that sound. I don't know, but maybe there's 50 feet. I'm not going to let my whole world and eternal destiny be different over 50 feet. Brother Glenn, maybe seven, eight foot. I can leave here changed. It sounds too good to be true. How does it happen? I'll tell you how it happens. One step. One step. Because when you take one step, then you're going to take another. Heads bowed, eyes closed all over the building. Nobody looking around. God's talking to people's hearts right now. Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I've heard of that Holy Ghost, but I've never experienced the Holy Ghost. I believe it's real. All you got to do is repent of your sins and you come to an altar and you lift your hands and you start saying, I love you, Jesus. 
And as God fills your heart, there's a language going to come out of your mouth that nobody taught you. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that comes out of your mouth. Maybe you're here and you're tired of struggling with what you're struggling with. You're tired of praying for deliverance. All I'm here to tell you is that one step could change your life. One step. Now's the time we stop talking about it. And we're fixing to move. I'm opening these altars. I wonder how many people are going to say, you know what, I'm taking a step to that altar tonight. I'm going to that altar. I'm inviting every single person that will. Nobody's going to do anything crazy to you. But it's one step that can change your life. One step. Come on, as they begin to sing, I need some altar workers down here. I need people willing to pray. Come on, all over this place. God wants to change you. One step is all it takes. One step is all it takes. Inside of me, my soul calls to worship. 